take over my lips, put the words in my mouth. You lead, you move, you grow, every single one of us. Let our conversations later on today that when we talk about service, Father, be different, Father, because you're so personal. The way we receive the message, Father God, is, is a daddy feeding his children, Lord. And so, Lord, thank you again for today. In Jesus' name we pray, and we all say, amen. amen. You know, I really want to give, a, you know, I had it in the announcement, but I really want to give a genuine um, shout-out to graduates. Do we have any graduates in the house right now that just graduated? Raise your hand really quick. I'm looking. Whoa, one, two, three. Don't be ashamed. You're front row. I'm going to call you out right now. <laughs> this is awesome. I saw three hands. And then look over here. One over here. Awesome. We have four of them. Four hands go up. This is amazing, okay? And I just simply want to give you guys a shout out because reality is it's a big accomplishment. It's a big milestone in your life. It's a point where one season ends, another begins. Really, one journey ends. A new journey begins. I remember graduating from high school and, and thinking, okay, what now? What are we going to go? And I had my route, but God had his route. And even though this journey that took all my life, you know, coming up to graduation, my schedules are going to look different. You know, I wasn't going to wake up super early like I had to. And, but then I went to Bible school and I realized I still had to wake up super early. Then I graduated from Bible school and I'm like, okay, I don't have to wake up super early. And then I had some babies and I had to wake up even super earlier than that. <laughs> I still haven't caught up in my sleep, guys. I'm just sitting there right now. <laughs> you know, and so it, it's, the, it's the mark of, or it's actually the end of a journey and beginning of a new journey. It's an accomplishment, and my encouragement to you guys is keep journeying. Keep journeying with Jesus. Keep moving for Jesus, because when the new one begins, there are going to be new places you're going to see, new things that God will show you if you allow him. And so we're going to continue on with our final and fifth part of the journey today. We'll be closing it today, and I really just want to talk to you guys about how every journey comes with stories. Okay, every journey comes with a story. You guys know that, right? Like, for instance, if I ask these graduates, hey, share some things with me that happened the last 12 to 15 years while you were in school. Well, I remember I was in third grade, and I remember this teacher, or I remember this incident. They have stories that they could tell and that they can give to people because of the experience that they had. I mean, we have stories and journeys of marriage. We have stories and journeys of parenting. We have maybe not so good stories when we lost a loved one and the grieving process. And so when we share those stories, it, it, it's, it's really the experience that you had. And I'm here to remind you guys that every journey has a story. I remember, I'm going to share one of mine. I remember being in high school and the first time I laid eyes on my wife. The very first time I laid eyes on her. I promise you, time stopped. I pro and it, it is biblical because Joshua said that the, that the sun stopped during battle. Time stopped, and for me, I just saw, and I didn't even know who she was, and I just saw her walking. I remember what she was wearing. I remember how she was holding her books, you know? I'm, I'm totally embarrassing her right now, but here's the deal. It's my, it's my story. It's my, and I remember walking. I'm like, who's that girl? <laughs> and times, I, I promise, it was like that song came on, and, you know, I want to know what love is. <laughs> I want you to show me. <laughs> Come on now. I remember I was huddled up with my friends, and I wasn't going to tell them who I just saw because I, I, I want to talk to her. <laughs> that's, 
that's my story because of my journey I had during school. You know, it's funny because if you know Madi and, uh, and actually her older brother Miguel, they're very close. They grew up um, living together with dad. Uh, you know, and they, it was, it was, they needed each other during their childhood. So they were really close. And, and I remember Madi holding her brother's arm, but I didn't know that was her brother. And I'm like, ah, ah, <laughs> ah. <laughs> and then that day, later on, it's lunchtime. And my brother-in-law, Miguel, was um, actually dating who he's married to today. They were, they were dating in high school as well, too. Us four, we hung out, by the way, in high school. We've known each other since high school. And, and, and he's holding his, his girlfriend at the time, you know, his wife, and he's holding Madi. I said, no way. No way. No way. Like, <laughs> that's my story, guys. That's my journey, Okay. And then I started looking at the, you know, the faces, and I'm like, oh, they're twins. I started thinking they were twins, but they're just brother and sister. I saw the resemblance. And then the journey began, and then the experience of just getting to know uh, my wife at, in high school, started walking her to class, and, and, you know, just the whole deal. You know, we, we went to homecoming together. I was so scared. I actually didn't ever ask for her number. Did you know that? I was a gentleman. I was a gentleman. I was scared, yeah. I was, I was, I was scared. But I'm going to claim the gentleman's side. I actually had a dream, that's why. I had a dream that, uh, I'm sharing too much, baby, am I right? <laughs> I had a dream, okay, don't judge me, okay, teenager, all right, at the time. I had a dream that we were at Collin Park, and I just kissed her real quick. And she went, <laughs> let's smack me. And I woke up, and I said, nope, 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 nope. But I ended up, you know, she ended up, we ended up talking and just hanging out. And then before you know it, you know, we, parents got involved and they loved me. They loved her. And it was just good. And that's my journey. I share that, share that simply. And by the way, there's more funny stuff if you want. We'll talk later. Okay. <laughs> I, we should make a part six, surely. No, no but that, that's my journey with my wife, you know. And those are my stories. And for someone to say that's not true, huh, that's foolish to say, right? That didn't happen. Why would you say that? That's, a, that's foolish. Because it's my story, and my story was my experience and my encounter I had, and I want to share it with people. And I shared it with my church family, and we all had a great time just simply hearing my story. You guys are probably envisioning it. You guys are probably uh, remembering your story, or that's kind of similar to what I went through. Every journey has a story. You look in Scripture, and, and Luke, I'll give you a reference Scripture. This is Luke chapter 24, starting in verse 13 through 35. It's a passage. It's the road to Emmaus. This is right after Jesus died at the cross, uh, was buried uh, three days later, raised from the dead. And this is the point right here in the Bible where, where the, the ladies went to the tomb and they saw that it was empty. They run back to the disciples and they yell out, the tomb is empty. It's empty. There's, Jesus' body's not there. And the Bible says that Peter ran to the tomb. He just had a look. He had a see and that he took the garments and he saw the bloodstains. It says the stripes of Jesus. But there were two other disciples that came over here. And they journeyed on. And, and it was hard for them to believe. And as they were journeying to the road to Emmaus, as they were walking to Emmaus, the Bible says that Jesus walked along with them. But the Bible also says that Jesus kept them from recognizing him. So imagine Jesus and these two guys, or these two disciples actually, that are just walking up and, and, and they're talking together and they're sharing about what's just happening, how this body's now gone. Do we believe it? Do we not believe it? Because they're in that pivotal point. They're in that fork in the road. They just weren't too sure. Should we believe this or not? And then Jesus shows up. But they don't know it's Jesus. 
And the Bible goes on and says that as they were walking, as they were talking, Jesus asked them, without them knowing it's Jesus, Jesus asked them, hey, what you all talking about? I paraphrased it. What you all talking about? And they start talking about Jesus and Nazareth, this whole thing, and then Jesus asked them some more questions. And I love it because I can envision these disciples. The Bible says that they stopped and looked at Jesus. Dude, are you not from town? Like, do you not know what's been going on these last days? Like, this whole thing happened about this Jesus of Nazareth? And I love Jesus because he says, no, tell me. I want to hear your story. I want to hear your story. Why would Jesus ask the two disciples to tell him the story that he already knows? Why? Think about it for a second. Because stories have an impact in Christ. We call them testimonies. We call them testimonies. Jesus knew the story. Jesus was the story, is the story. But Jesus still still said, hey, tell me. And so they're telling them all these things in the stories, and I love it because then Jesus says, foolish to think that the tomb is not empty or empty. It's foolish to think that I'm still dead in there. And then he goes, let's go back to the prophets. And he starts from Moses and goes through all the prophets, everything that's confirming that what was supposed to happen and how that tomb was supposed to be empty. They still don't know it's Jesus, by the way. They still don't know. And so even though he heard their story, he implemented what they needed to be in there so they can have something that was alive and impactful because Jesus expected them to continue to share that story to somebody else. The power of a testimony. You know, and so as they go, the Bible says that, that they ended up stopping at one of the disciples' houses and Jesus was going to continue to journey on, or he was acting like it. He was going to continue to journey on. But they, stay, they tell him, hey, come on in. It's getting evening. It's getting dark. Let's go. And so Jesus says, okay. He goes in for the evening. They have, they have food together. They eat together. And the Bible says, as you're talking, as you're talking, Jesus gives thanks and he breaks the bread and he feeds the disciples. Doesn't that sound familiar? How many times has he done that? Even after the, the resurrection, he's, he's still breaking bread and feeding. And it says the moment he gave it to them, I love this, the moment he gave it to them, their eyes opened, not physically, you know, their physical eyes, they weren't like keeping them shut all day, but the eyes of their hearts opened and they realized, oh, Jesus, it's you. It's you. <laughs> and then he disappeared. Come on. He disappears. And then they start talking, did you not feel, they started remembering that walk with them. Did you not feel your heart burning when he was telling us all these things? And then they realized, we've been journeying with Jesus this whole time. Jesus understands that there is power in your testimony when it's him. This is what I'm saying. You have a story. You have a testimony. You need to share it. Your testimony has power. And you need to bring it to life when you speak to you. What are some of the experiences that God's given you? You know, your, your, your testimony is intended to make people's hearts jump up and down. Your experiences, your encounters with God will change somebody's life. But you need to share it. You know, another story in the Bible, it's about this, uh, this demon-possessed man. And this demon-possessed man uh, it had legions of demons in him. And he has an encounter with Jesus. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 8, verse 39, that it says uh, he delivered him from, from all those demons. But then Jesus tells the man this. He says, return home and tell. Okay? Return home and tell how much God has done for you. So the man went away and told all over town how, how much Jesus had done for him. There's another powerful testimony. 
because I didn't put this on the screen, but if you read the next verse, it says that crowds of people started gathering after he told the story. There was crowds of people. They were looking and they were seeking for Jesus. And the Bible says that the people were expecting Jesus because someone shared a story about the experience and the encounter they had. He was deli- I was delivered from all these demons and this is what God is. Jesus has done. Jesus did this in my life. And that those crowds of people came. Here's what I'm saying. Power in your testimony. I'm going to share a video with you guys. I want you to hear this story. You guys might have heard somewhat of it, but check this testimony out of my wife. I'm Maddie Cabrera, and this is the story of how God healed me. April 11th, it was a Thursday, and I remember I was preparing for um, a weekend away or um, something in that sort, and so I was doing laundry, and I remember having these pink fuzzy socks, and as I was walking down the stairs with my basket, I, um, inside of my sock, I slipped, and when I slipped, I just slipped completely from, my legs came right from under me and I was literally straight in the air and I just recall the fall that I had when I was in the air. I just fell right onto the stairs and I remember something like this kind of like, it goes so fast but it felt like it was so slow at the same time. I remember my head um, hitting really, really hard at the top of the stair and my head went all the way back and then it whiplashed forward because of how hard the impact was on my head. And then I remember going down, but as I was going down, my body, because of the impact on my head, was starting to go forward. And in my home, I, I live in a bi-level home, and so as I'm going down the stairs, what I see coming at me is my front door. And if it wasn't for my laundry basket, I pretty much could have had a full-on concussion. But because of the basket, I was able to ram right into the basket and not hit the door full force. And um, I just remember, this terrible ringing in my ears and I remember on my knees just praying to the Lord because I was home alone um, and I had my little guy Jeremiah with me and I just I was telling the Lord I cannot pass out right now I just like this I cannot pass out because I'm home alone and he needs mama to be awake and so I remember just saying Jesus 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 and honestly I believe that God did helped me regain my consciousness because I saw lights and I saw blurriness and I should have been knocked out. Um, then that rest of the day, I, I kind of gathered myself together, took the basket downstairs, I stopped all the laundry, I did nothing more, and I kind of rested my body because I kind of felt like my body went through a tra- tragic deal. And then, um, my husband, of course, Jesse, comes home and, you know, is concerned about me and, um, you know, he tells me he wants to take me to the hospital. Um, but I paused 
Um, and I told him, no, I'm okay, I'm fine. And sure enough, that evening, I had this terrible straining in my neck and I just started feeling very nauseous. I started feeling very terrible, um, but I kind of felt like, I know the worst thing you could do is sleep it off when you would hit your head. And so I um, went to bed and I just went to bed, I remember with a pillow behind my neck and just feeling a terrible, terrible, terrible pain. And so the following day, um, I just was in bed, kind of like trying to recover. And as the day progressed, the pain progressed and everything was kind of getting worse, not better. And so um, that Saturday, I asked Jesse, can you just take me out? I just would really like to go get an ice cream or you know, just get out of the house because I kind of felt really, really terrible. When we went out, um, just him and I, uh, to get some ice cream, it uh, it was a terrible feeling. I just couldn't really concentrate, and it was just, it was a terrible feeling. And you know, I've never gone through anything like this. I've never had a terrible fall like this. I've never done anything that could cause me to do um, lose consciousness or anything like that. So I just didn't know what I was going through and what I was um, feeling with my body. So. Then finally, I kind of gave in, um, and Jesse was persistent about getting me to the hospital, but I finally gave in on Monday. And um, I was hoping to be able to just go into my doctor's office and just get checked in, get medication, and get off. And um, it didn't go that way, so then um, I was sent to the urgent care. And at the urgent care, um, the doctors did say that I had a sprained neck, inflammation in the back of my neck, and I just, I wasn't able to move my neck any way, shape, or form. And um, they did say I had a minor concussion, um, and so I had to have a certain medication and things like muscle relaxers to kind of relax my body, and so, I ended up taking that on Monday. And for the following two weeks, it was it was hard. It was really hard. And, and it was really hard for Jesse too because he kind of had to take on everything. Um, and I'm also very thankful for my church family who stepped in and provided dinners. And it was, I'm so very thankful for the church and for the house that I live in because um, I, we couldn't have done it without you. I know Jesse couldn't have made it without those dinners, but um, I went, I go to a women's ministry on Thursday mornings for worship and for a word. The pastor of the women's ministry saw that I was still in pain, saw that I was still hurting and still struggling. And so um, they actually um, made an appointment for me to go to the chiropractor at 2.30 for that day. And so um, before that, she decided that she just she was gonna pray for me. She was gonna lay hands on me, and she said, that's enough, we don't need to deal with this anymore the way you're dealing with it. And so she laid her hands on my head. And immediately, I just, I, I have had everyone praying for me. I had so many, my church family was praying for me, my family was, my husband was, everyone that came in contact with me was praying for me. So I was already believing for a healing, for God to intervene and to do something 
miraculous. And so I was already in expectancy for the Lord to do something. And so then she laid her hands on my head and she said this. She, I remember her saying that she can feel light and she sees a pressure cooker that my brain was swollen inside my head and that all of that pain was just being restrained inside of my head and she said that the Lord is going to take the lid off of that pressure cooker. The moment she said that, I felt a warmth go through my body. It wasn't a heat. I wasn't hot. I was, it wasn't like a sweaty warmth. It was like a warmth that I can't describe that went through my head and immediately I it's funny when you like believe for something and it happens and you're kind of in shock and I and that's exactly what happened to me. I felt like surprised and, and also really excited that like my head wasn't hurting anymore because two weeks of excruciating pain in your head, something you can't itch, something you can't do anything about other than take medications that I was really done taking, um, it, was, it was already a relief for me. And then she um, said that she can, she can feel the presence while she had um, her hands on me. And then she said she felt, you know, the, the, just a, a powerful, powerful presence. And she said that my healing from my whole body, my neck, everything was coming. And immediately I felt that same warmth that was on my head go straight down all the way through my body. And so when she told me to move my neck, I told her no first. <laughs> and then um, she told me to move my neck and I of course obeyed. And sure enough, I was able to move my neck all the way to the left and all the way to the right, all the way up and all the way down, which is something I could not do for those two weeks. And I just felt this break of emotion and I was able to bend down and touch my feet, which I could not do because it would hurt my head really, really, really bad. And so instantaneously, I received my healing. And I know that um, even that moment, like all the prayers that I've gotten from that point on, I believe that God did something miraculously and I know it was his timing because I know it could have happened, you know, the day I got hurt. I know it could have happened the week after. Um, but I know that in those two weeks, I was learning something. I believe my husband was learning something and I believe the church could see um, something miraculous happen. And I do have to say that if you are trusting and believing God for anything, over your body, healing over your mind, healing emotionally, healing in any way, you can't tell me that he can't heal you because he can. And I believe that if you're consistent, persistent in believing for your healing, believing for someone else's healing, I believe that God is a God of healing. He's a powerful father and that he is able, able and willing to give that to you and to provide that for his children. So that is my testimony. I'm so thankful again for your love, your support, and for your prayers.
you know, she, she didn't mention this, but we, she went to the chiropractor about an hour later, and medically they could not see any signs of concussion or sprained neck. They medically proved there was nothing wrong with you, <laughs> you know, and so that, that was just a, uh, something that we just praise God for. But we share that video because it's, it was my wife's story that brought hope and encouragement. Maybe you're believing. Maybe, maybe you're in a position you're trying to figure things out. Look, at the end of the day, God is God. Okay, and his timing is perfect, but allow him to teach and to work in you and let no one argue your story. It's your story that God is writing in your life. You know, only God can turn a mess into a message and he can turn a test into a testimony. We face things, but let God bring the healing. Psalms 22:22 says, I will praise you to all my brothers. I will stand up before the congregation and testify the wonderful things you have done. Open your mouth because there's power in your testimony. And again, for those that are in the midst of it, they're waiting, you're waiting, you're waiting. You don't know why, you're getting weary, you're tired, but you're waiting. Let me give you this scripture. Hebrews 6, 10 says, God is not unjust. Okay, He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. God is not a God of unjust. Continue to be faithful to him, but let him continue to work in you. His timing is perfect. One last thing, and I'll close this. If you have a testimony you want to share, where God is doing something, and if you allow us to record you, because we want to do something with our website, if you allow us to record you after service, sign up at guest service, okay? And we'll be sure that we have that for you guys. Put your name and your info, and we'll have our, our media guy come connect with you guys. And we'll see what we can do to go from there. But we want people's story to get out, because those stories are powerful. Your testimony is powerful, and it's beautiful. Let God keep writing in you so you can share, so the world can read it, and they'll see the faithfulness of God. Let's, let's go ahead and close our eyes and bow our heads. I don't want to leave with an opportunity for you to accept Jesus in your heart. Maybe you haven't realized that Jesus is a God of, of relationships. He is. And he says, if you just accept me in your life and live in your life, I'll do wonders in your life. I'll be sure that you are a citizen of heaven. You don't have that relationship with him, but want to build one. Now, I'm not saying go to church. I'm not saying I know who God is. I'm talking about a genuine relationship, a, 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 a two-way relationship between you and God, and you want to start that. You want his spirit to live in you. You want, to be, you want things to be revealed to you in such ways. On the count of three, shoot your hand up. I just want to pray over you and lead you in a prayer. One, two, three. God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, God bless you. Awesome. God loves you. You guys can put your hands down. God loves you, and he's writing a story in you right now. And maybe it's not going the way you thought, but give up the pen in your life and give it to God so he can keep writing. He promises you at the end of the whole thing, if you allow him, at the end of this life, this earthly life, you win. You win. You win. Let that echo in your heart. You win. 
But let him keep writing in your life. And start sharing the encounters and the experiences that you are having because you are going to help God break chains in people's lives and hearts. You're going to help the brokenhearted become whole again because of your story he's writing. Share it. Let's all just repeat after me, everyone. Say, God, thank you for your love. Thank you for the testimony I have that you are doing in my life. Lord, forgive me of all my sins. I am sorry. Now I ask for your spirit to live in my heart. Guide me, lead me the rest of my life. In Jesus' name we pray, and we celebrate by saying amen and amen. Hallelujah.